0: and nurse him for nurse him for me, and I'll give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. And when the child grew old, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, because, she said, I drew him out of the water. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much. that we can trust in your wonderful rescue of us. That you could rescue Moses, just abandoned in this basket, just floating in the river. This is tiny, helpless baby, and you rescued him. Thank you, Jesus, that the same way for all of us, helpless, alone without you, and yet by your grace you've rescued each and every one of us you've called us to be part of your family, this body this community, the church and we want to commit our lives to follow you to trust you by your grace we pray on this Pentecost Sunday we pray Holy Spirit be at work in our hearts help us to see Jesus more clearly help us to know him help us to fall in love with you Again, we pray. Yes, thank you. Amen. 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 We're working through the book of Exodus because, well, for, for a couple of reasons. I guess the main reason really is, on one hand, there's uh, there's, an, there's an Exodus in the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ, and there's a gospel in the story of Exodus. You see, in Exodus, we discover a story which is not only about God; it's not only just a story of of history, but it's a story about us, about how Jesus has drawn us out of our sin and drawn us into him. This, this theme that kind of runs through the book is a theme of deliverance, of slaves being delivered out of bondage. And it, it talks, it's, it's hinting towards, it's foreshadowing, it's pointing towards a, a greater deliverance that will come. Through Jesus for all of us. See, because God promises deliverance, and God has delivered on His promise for each of us, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about deliverance. We're going to talk about how we can trust in God's deliverance, how God has delivered us whilst whilst we're helpless, and we'll look at whose deliverance this this really. This really is.
1: You see, because in this
0: in this passage, we meet just an ordinary woman, an ordinary couple. Uh, they're called Jacob and Amram, and they're not actually named in this passage. Uh, that's Moses' parents, his mum and dad, and we don't find out their names for another more, a few more a few more chapters. Um, and partly their names aren't there in the book just because they're 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 an ordinary family. There's nothing remarkable or significant about them. They didn't come from one of the really powerful tribes of Egypt. They came from kind of one of the uh, tribes of Israel. They came from one of the more minor ones. There was, nothing, there was nothing that really marked them out. There's nothing that made them seem glamorous or amazing. There's no kind of real hint of anything in their background. We don't really know anything about them at all. And yet, in Hebrews 11, in the New Testament, which is Hebrews 11 is, in some ways, it's kind of like the Bible's hall of fame. And it says, it says this about them. It said, by faith, Moses, when he was born, he was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict of Pharaoh's instructions. You see, we were talking last week about, in chapter 1, these two remarkable midwives who, who, who even though Pharaoh instructed them, to kill all the the boys that were born amongst the Israelites. They refused to do it, they they wouldn't do it. And it's because they feared God more than they feared Pharaoh, the most powerful man on the planet. And see, the same is true of Moses' parents, is that they feared God, they trusted God, they believed in him more than they feared what Pharaoh thought, what any human king would have thought. And I guess for a moment, it's not actually what we're going to talk about today, but I guess it's a helpful point to consider. If you're, a, if you're a parent here, or maybe one day you will be a parent, which is probably true for a number of you in this room, is that children, they, they don't flourish unless you parent them out of a sense of faith and not fear. And that's a battle that as a parent you'll face all the time. A fear to fear to even have children in the first place. How can I bring kids into a world of so much pain? How can I bring a, a child into our family when I know that I'm not perfect? When I know that we're a couple we're not perfect. How can I bring a child into this world, into that situation? Well that takes faith in you, believing in God, trusting in him, to, to send your kids off to school for the first time, to send them out of your house away from your care and attention all those things take faith all those journeys that you have to go on those steps you have to take as parents you, you've got two options you can you can be defensive and you can you can kind of lock everything away or you can say do you know what god's with us and there is things in the world that are scary and hard we live in a city that doesn't necessarily believe a whole bunch of stuff that you might believe as a christian And yet, we trust God for our kids. We want to parent out of obedience to Him. We don't want to fear the world around us. And the same is true for us as a a family, as as a church together, as a community of God. We believe that that's what the church is. The church isn't just a service in a building like this, it's not just a structure. The church is supposed to be a community, a group of people sharing their lives together, trusting one another supporting one another, caring for one another. and At the same time, we're supposed to trust in God and care for the world around us to serve the communities that God's put us in, to reach out to the city, to love this city. And that, again, that's a decision of we could be fearful and we could just lock the doors and hide away and hope no one notices we're here because we don't want to get ridiculed or mocked because of what we believe. Or we could throw the doors wide open and we could say anybody can come in here. Anyone can come in here and discover Jesus because we believe it will change your life. It's the best thing that could ever happen to you. But that takes faith. But we always want to be a community and we want to be parents. We want to be families and individuals that walk out of faith and not fear. You know, for, for sooner or later, every parent has to, in a sense, abandon their child into God's care. It becomes a moment. I'm not saying there's one moment which is the moment you have to do it. That will vary for different families at different times. But there are moments when you've got to say, Well, God, you've, you've got to look after my child now, because I'm, I'm, no longer, I'm not in the same vicinity. I'm not in the same area. I'm not going to go off with them to university or to study or on travels or whatever it is. You have to trust God. You have to, uh, like Jacob did with Moses when he was just, just three months old. The thing about Jacobed is she had this really simple faith. This is Moses' mum. She had this really simple faith. And she was able to trust God. She was able to trust God really simply knowing that she didn't know the why or the how. And sometimes that's what believing in God looks like. That, that chapter we read from already, Hebrews 11, we read the one verse from there. Hebrews 11 lifts up all these people who, who, who stood up for God, who took courageous decisions of faith. And if you're going to try and describe what faith means, the essence of it, the nub of what faith is, it's not about kind of stirring something up within yourself. It's not about being incredibly courageous and bold and just being braver than everybody else. Faith, very simply, is believing God. It's believing God. It's trusting him. Trusting actually that you're not able, but God is able. And that's exactly what Jehobe did. She decided that she was going to hide their baby away for three months. And she's commended in the Bible as being a woman of faith. But she didn't, know, she didn't really know why, other than just parental instinct. And she didn't know how. She didn't know what the future of her child was going to look like. She didn't know how life was going to pan out sometimes in our, in our walk with God, we need to take decisions not knowing how life is going to pan out for us. Yeah. I remember about six years ago, I'd been, been working in a, in a particular job for about nine years, um, and, and I decided that God spoke to me and said that I needed to stop doing that job, and that was it. I didn't really know, oh, okay, what do you want me to do next? And God didn't really tell me that. I just knew I needed to stop. So I handed in my notice, and Joe and I just prayed. And I basically worked out a year's notice, I gave him a year's notice, and for a year we prayed, not knowing why, not knowing how God was gonna provide for us. But in the end, what happened was God sort of took that tiny kernel of faith that we had, and started this journey that ended up with us moving here a few years ago. But it kicked off, it started, because we said, well, we're just going to make this decision. And we don't really know why. We don't know how it's going to work out. But we want to believe that God is bigger. When he speaks to us, we want to trust him. We want to follow him. And the thing is, the other thing that's remarkable about Jacob's faith is that it's, it's kind of limited. He says she... She, she, for three months they were able to hide their baby away and then we don't really know what happened after three months whether they just kind of ran out of faith and said we've just got to abandon the child whether even that itself putting the baby in the basket that was their faith we don't really know but <laughs> the, the, the wonderful thing about following God is that it's, it's, not, it's not based on our faith yeah, that's right. sometimes our faith is, is limited sometimes it wavers Sometimes it just disappears. Sometimes even in our own hearts, we abandon God. We stop following his plans. But when God has set something into motion, we can't limit him. (laughs) When God has set a plan into action, he can come and fill in all the gaps where we're not quite able to reach Him. We can always trust in God. We can trust in his plan. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning, how we can trust in God's deliverance, how God delivered Moses, how he delivered us. So let's look a little bit about what this deliverance looks like. Because what happens is is that, as it said, she, she could hide him no longer, and she puts Moses in this basket made of just kind of reeds and bits of things, and she places this basket in in the water, by the reeds, by the riverbank, and then she just has to let him go. And uh, I, I don't want us to, to miss, sometimes in, in Bible stories, particularly ones that you might be familiar with, we can miss the kind of, the sort of, the tragedy in these moments. We we can miss the kind of, the pain and the anguish that a mother would, would feel of putting a baby in a basket, just saying goodbye. I don't think any of us can quite really understand quite the pain of what that would mean to do that. But obviously, she's, we, we also understand the, the pain of what must have been happening around them for them to make that decision, for them to decide this is our only option. It meant what was going on around them must have been catastrophic. The families being, having their children ripped away from them, that they had to get to the place of making this decision. It's not a nice story. It's horrible. It's tragic. You know, I, I remember when, when we'd first had Ellie, our, our eldest daughter, and she was a few days old, and we, we took her, we needed to go buy some things, so we went out shopping together. And, particularly awesome. with your first baby, when they're a few days old, you've got no idea. You don't even know who you are anymore or where you are. You're just sort of like, I think the sun is up, so it must be morning. Because I don't know. <laughs> I've had no sleep, so we might as well go out and maybe the shops will be open. You just don't know really quite what's going on. So we went out to the shop and uh, we brought some things and we put these baskets on the back of her buggy. And her buggy tipped over because we put too much weight on the back. And we were like distraught of, oh no, what have we done to our child? <laughs> I remember r- rushing to this buggy to check she was okay. She was, I don't think she even woke up. She was totally fine. <laughs> but I remember that feeling in my stomach of, oh no, what have we done? You almost feel kind of nauseous inside of you. You have those moments of just kind of heartache as parents. And imagine what Jacobin must have been going through of just abandoning her baby into the water and not knowing what's gonna happen. Thinking, is she just gonna drift off and that's it? That's the end of her story, that's the end of what she ever knows of her child. And this 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 baby this, this infant Moses, he's completely helpless. <laughs> when when you're that age, you can uh, from I've done this four times, can tell you that they they're kind of a bit useless at that age, right? They can't do anything other than things that are probably you know a bit gross. You know they they make mess and they cry and they kind of flap around and that's that's all they can do. Moses was totally helpless. He was just this baby, kind of flapping around in this basket. And that's, that's all it was. But, so we don't want to miss the tragedy in this story, but we, we don't want to miss the wonder of what God does next. Because it, there's this funny verse here where these, the parents, they, they recognise something in their child. It says here that they saw he was a fine child. Hebrews 11, it talks about them saying he was beautiful. And what that means is it's not just that they're saying he was a really good-looking kid and he would win in loads of beauty contests. That's not why they protected him. In other translations, it says he was a, a goodly child. It's not really a word we tend to use anymore, goodly. That's probably the best translation of it. And what it's doing, the passage is doing, is it's, it's echoing back to in Genesis chapter 1, where God creates the world, and through the creation account... God creates certain things, and then he says, and it was good. And then he goes on again and creates something else and says, it was good. And at the end of Genesis 1, in chapter 31, in verse 31 of chapter 1, Jesus, uh, God says, I don't know if we've got, maybe the verse will appear for us. There we go. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was it was very good. It was very good. You see, it's, what's happening here with with Moses, it's an echo of this creation story. You see, whereas at the beginning, God was creating the world and looking upon his creation and saying, this is good. With Moses, it's saying that God's, he's starting it all again. That sin has come into the world and things have turned bad. But God's saying, I'm starting again. I'm starting a new creation now. I'm starting a new story. There's a new beginning. There's a new plan. There's a new start for mankind. And you've got this good child in this basket. And even, even in that word basket, you see, there's another kind of echo of God's story here. Because if you go back to Genesis 6, you read the story about Noah's ark. And the, 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 the interesting link between the story of Noah's ark and the story of here of Moses in his basket is that it's exactly the same word. It's the only time it appears in the Bible. is when Moses is put into this basket, and then Noah takes his family and the animals onto the ark. It's the same word in Hebrew. It's the only time it appears in the Bible. It's the same word to describe the basket and the ark. See, in the story of Moses, Noah, is, again, everything has gone bad in the world around him, and God tells him to build this ark, to take his family on it, to take some of the animals, so God can restart everything. And again, this story is linking this, all of it together. It's bringing all these echoes together and saying, God's beginning a new start. He's playing a new story. There's a new beginning that's going to take place. And just the same way that, that Noah was called to save humanity and start it again, Moses is called to do exactly the same thing. And the, 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 both of them were put into this kind of ark, their basket, their sort of vessel of... Salvation, God leads them to safety, and that's true for us as well. God's worked out this salvation plan for us that each of us have been called into Jesus Christ, we've been called into the ark of Him, the basket of Him, saved through Him. Because you see, all of us we're delivered whilst we're helpless. <laughs> Every, every single one of you, you're delivered when you're just utterly helpless and hopeless. That's how God's salvation works. It's not that, well, you've, you've done enough now, you've achieved a certain grade, you've walked a certain pilgrimage, you've fasted and prayed a certain amount of times, therefore you're saved. God's salvation works that we bring nothing to the table. We've got comes to us and he saves us when we're completely helpless yeah. you see because the, the wonderful thing is that when we're not thinking about God he's thinking about us hmm. when we're not concerned about God we're not, we don't even think about him at all pay no attention to him God's concerned with us when our faith, our belief in him wavers and drops and fades God's uh, belief in what he's done for us, his concern for us, is always strong and steadfast. It continues. It's not dependent on whether we're feeling holy, whether we're feeling good. His love for us is strong. It's steadfast. And it, there's this wonderful beauty that we see in here of God's, God's grace for us. Of how he how loves us. Because any parent will tell you that, that when this kind of useless, hopeless baby arrives, you don't love them because they've achieved anything. You know, they've not got any A grades and anything at all. <laughs> they've not done anything other than just be there. And yet you love them in a way that you just can't even put it into words. You just can't describe it. I remember when, when, when Ellie was born, going to our, our oldest daughter, um, I think probably the first time I went out without Joe and the kids, or Joe and Ellie, was a few days later, and I went to play football, soccer, with some friends. in the, and, and, and I kind of I got there to the park to play to play football, and I thought, I want to go back. <laughs> you just get this feeling inside of you, like, oh, I just miss her so much, I just want to get back to my family. Because God's put this love in you, this desire in your heart, this, this hunger, that you think, where did this come from? I don't understand. It's not like you go into the hospital and this baby arrives and they kind of download some love into your heart. It just happens. And you, you think, I can't make any sense of this. I remember trying to describe it, like everyone else was playing football and I was just going around telling people how happy I was, it was amazing, <laughs> and none of them could really, they're like, what's wrong with you, and I was like, oh, this is the happiest I've ever been, and it was just, there was this joy, I couldn't describe, where's this come from? The thing is, that's exactly how Jesus feels about you, that's good, man. and we think, well, I've, 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 I've done nothing, or, or even then, you can, you can start to tot up the things that you've done. And then you think, oh, actually, yeah, but look at all these horrible things I've done. Look at even this week. Oh, the mess I've made of my life. Those things that I've thought and done. Oh, goodness, what a mess. And yet, God still loves us. My daughter could, could, and she did make mess and cause havoc. And that's what what happens when kids arrive. arrive, your, Your life is kind of turned upside down. In the same way that that we can make a mess and havoc in our lives. And and God just carries on loving us. This steadfast and strong love towards us. You see, because it's it's, it's God alone who delivers. It's God alone who delivers. Whose deliverance is it? It's Jesus plus nothing. (laughs) Nothing. Nothing. It's not Jesus plus your good works. It's not Jesus plus your faith. It's not Jesus plus your obedience. It's not Jesus plus how much you've read the Bible, how much you've prayed. It was good to do all those things. But that doesn't earn your salvation. It doesn't win you any favour with God. And this, this is something that, that you, yeah, you need to, to, to get into, to drum into your heart, because we all very quickly, slip into that feeling of feeling kind of good about ourselves because we read our Bible. Feeling good about ourselves because we've prayed or we've done something good. Or feeling bad because we haven't. And yet it's, we need to drum this into our hearts, into our heads, that our salvation, the love that God has for us is Jesus plus nothing. That's it. Jesus loves us because he loves us. And that, that love then, when it gets hold of us, it means we, it, we want to then serve God. We want to love him. We want to follow him. But that has no bearing on whether or not he loves us. Because if, if, if you consider for a moment how exactly Moses is saved here in this story, it's really remarkable. Because... The person that, that finds this basket in the river is Pharaoh's daughter. Now, Pharaoh has, has instructed the Egyptians, all of them, all his people, that if, if they find a male baby of the Israelites, of the Hebrews, that they need to kill him. So, And if, if anybody knew that, it would have been Pharaoh's daughter. And yet she opens up this basket, she, she looks at this baby inside. She knows immediately that it's a Hebrew baby. And it says she's then had this compassion. Welled up within her. Where did that come from? That was God. Working through, in, in the midst of evil. And not just the midst of evil, but into the, the household, the family of, of evil. that are working all this horrible mess and destruction. God undermines all of it. He comes in and undermines all of that and says, I'm not having any evil here. He moves it all out of the way and says, no, nothing can stop my plan. What I've decided. And what happens is the the house of Pharaoh, his family, goes from being a house of destruction to suddenly a house of salvation. You see, from from beginning to end, this whole story, God's at work through all, God's at work. He's in control. He's in command. And he, he undermines, he topple, topples Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the universe, right under his nose. <laughs> God comes in and undermines all of it. You see, because it might be that, that you're in a, in a situation where you, you feel like something's trying to destroy you. Maybe there's something even feels almost within you, something that you can't stop doing, stop thinking about, a mistake that you can't stop making, that you know, it's, you feel like it's destructive. Maybe there's situations around you which are just kind of pressing in on you, and you feel like it's trying to undermine you, it's trying to hurt you, it's trying to damage you, but yet, <laughs> that that very situation, it, it might be what God is actually using to, to save you. To save you. He, he's, he's trying to open up your heart. He's, he's engineering circumstances. He's taking what's evil and he's working it for good. This is a wonderful story at the end of the book of Genesis. We looked at it a few weeks ago where, where Joseph, who how, how the, the Hebrews have ended up here in Egypt is because uh, Joseph, his brother's abandoned him. They were going to kill him. Uh, And in the end, they had mercy and threw him into a pit. And one of his brothers had planned to come back and save him. But instead, these slave traders came along. They sold Joseph into slavery. And Joseph ends up in in Egypt. And then to cut a long story short, uh, many years later, he's he's reconciled with his brothers. He meets them again. And he says to them, "What, what you meant for evil... God meant for good. <laughs> and you think, how could Joseph say that? You know, I want to I do some damage to them. Look what he did to my life. But yet he could look around and see, look what God did through his life. Because God raised Joseph up to this position where he was able to uh, administrate this this kind of famine relief that literally saved the lives of thousands of people. So God took a situation where his brothers meant it for evil, and God used it to save the lives of thousands of people. God can take what's meant for evil and work it for good. You see, because even the situation which appears devastating, God can turn it into a situation of blessing. It's even for for Moses' mother here. She's, she's had to uh, uh, abandon her baby's basket just let him go and yet we find what happens in the story is that she ends up and she's she actually ends up being paid <laughs> to look after her own kid now I'm sure any mum here can tell you that would be amazing <laughs> you might get paid to look after someone else's kid but to get paid to, to raise your own child what a wonderful privilege that is you see because <laughs> you, you all need to hear this. God, he gives good things to those who love him. Good things. They might always, sometimes the things that go on in their life don't appear good. But God is using all of that for good in your life. God may determine good differently from how you might determine it. If God's working out good for you. He's working out a good plan for you, he's he's doing what's best for you, and sometimes that means we have to to almost give things up to to actually get them back, as Moses' mother had to do. Sometimes there's there's kind of dreams and passions and beliefs and things, you almost feel like I thought this was even from you God, this hunger you've put in me, this desire, Because sometimes God wants us to to give those things up and say, actually, God, I'm going to put that aside because, actually, I want my life to be all about you, not this thing. (laughs) I might do this thing, but I want my life to be all about you. And God, he's he's after every bit of our hearts, every bit of our worship, our devotion. That means sometimes we need to put things aside and just say, God, I'm, I'm here for you. That's the only thing that matters. And then well, what happens is, is that then that's when God, in His mercy and His grace, if the things that we've put aside really are good things, and God restores them to us at the right time, in His timing. You see, because we've got to realize that this is really important for us that you, you can't, but God, God can. You can't. God can. Because in, your, in our lives, we have, we have plans, right? We set plans. I'm, all the time I'm making plans in my head. This is how I'm going to do this. This is how this is going to work out. This is how this is going to happen. I have plans. I love plans. And sometimes you can come to church here on a Sunday, and you can, you can put a plan into action, because you can get inspired. You can feel like God speaks to you, that something happens, and you go away and you think, right, I'm going to put a plan into action now. I'm going to go away, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to make everything better. And then what happens is, you fail. <laughs> and then you come back here again the next week and you make another plan to fix it. Plan 1.1. And then you go away and you do that, and that doesn't work. And then you come back the next week, plan 1.2. And you go away and you try and fix it again. Have any of you ever been caught up in those cycles? <laughs> you open your Bible... And you pray, and God speaks to you, and you think, I'm going to fix this. And then you discover that you can't, or you can, but not quite enough. I don't know about you, but sometimes you you can get into that way of thinking, and you can dream ahead what your life is going to look like in the future. And you think, well, the future version of me, he won't have these troubles. He won't have these problems. The future version of me, he's going to be great. And then you grow up and you get to that place of the future version of you. And you meet the future version of you. And you think, you're just the same as you were. <laughs> Why didn't you solve all these things? I thought by now we would have figured this out. But it's because all the time we're just trying to fix ourselves. <laughs> and the, the wonderful reality is that the only person who can fix us is, is Jesus. And you can't. But God can. He can. And he has. And he will. You see, because what happens in this passage is, is in this book, we're kind of given this sort of, um, it's like a kind of prototype saviour. And through this story we get this picture of what God's going to do for us. How he's going to deliver us. And as was have seen already, Moses salvation from the water it kind of echoes backwards to that creation story it points backwards to the story of Noah even but then it also points forwards it tells us how even Moses himself is going to lead his people out of their slavery in Egypt and we come to the story in a few chapters time where he leads them out and they 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 themselves the same way as Moses is rescued through the water he rescues his people through the water he leads them through the Red Sea together. He he works out this salvation plan for them. And then the story goes even further still to how Jesus has delivered us, how he has rescued us. Because Moses' name, as it says right at the end of this passage, it says she named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. That's what Moses means in Hebrew, to be drawn out of the water, to be drawn out. But at the same time, Moses in Egyptian means (laughs) son. So the son that was drawn out of the water. It's pointing towards the story of Jesus himself. And even Jesus, he was given a name to match his destiny. It says in Matthew 1, it says, She will bear a son, and you should call his name Jesus, for he will save, he will deliver his people from their sins. See, Jesus, the son of God, true rescuer, came to rescue you, to, to draw you out of the mess that you've made in your life, the havoc around you. He's come to draw you out, to draw you to him. To know him, to have a relationship with him, to be saved by him. He's come to fix your brokenness. He's come to deliver you. He's come to set you free. I'm going to pray and then we're going to share communion together. Jesus, we we thank you. We can. We can trust you, God, in the same way that a mother can entrust her her son to this basket, let him go. I thank you God and in, in the same way we can trust our hearts to you yeah, and we can we can put our hearts, our lives, everything of us we can put it into this New ark, this new basket, we can put them into you, Jesus Christ. We we can we can hand over our life to you and say, Have your way. Yes, thank you, we can say, Your your will be done, your kingdom come. And we can trust you, we can believe in you, we can have faith in you for everything. And thank you, even by your grace, that faith that we can have is all from you anyway. (laughs) This is all your work. God, I just pray pray for all of us here. That you would help us day by day to keep trusting in you. I pray you'd help us when we know there are things in our life that we keep trying to fix and we can't fix them. We pray, help us to, to come to you and say, God, I, I can't do this anymore. Help me. Maybe the next step for you is to tell somebody about that. Sometimes the problem is, is that we're, we're just stuck in fear. We're so fearful of telling anybody. And sometimes just in the, in, in the process of telling people your story, suddenly that's when God sets you free. Yeah. Because in that moment of telling someone, in in the, the Acts, you're saying, God, I, I, I trust you. I want, I, want, I want to step out in faith, not fear. Hmm. I pray you'd help each of us to do that. God, we, we want to we walk in freedom with you. Jesus, we know we have liberty in you. We know we have freedom in you. And we want to walk in it. And yeah. pray you'd help us to do that, Holy Spirit.